0: Hello, and welcome to episode 89 of the Arena Regulars podcast. I'm Zach. And I'm Jeff. And we're your source for weekly drunken Magic the Gathering arena content. That's right. We're
1: two regular dudes drinking some irregular beers and talking about Magic the Gathering, in particular,
0: the online client MTG Arena. And this is our first sips episode for Dominaria United. (sighs) Always got to talk about our first sips or our first thoughts of a new set uh, before, you know, we really... uh, learn about it i don't know it's uh it's always a good episode i like these um yeah they're fun yeah and we haven't done one in a while so uh it feels uh feels weird it's nice coming back
1: yeah i feel like these were every other week for a while
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then we just didn't do one in the summer <laughs> for the uh yeah. D set so now it's like wow it's been so long um uh, but anyway each week we both bring a beer we drink jeff's then drink mine right on on scale of bronze to Mythic. And she was the best for last, except for the, uh, we screwed up again, uh, if you listen to last week's episode. <laughs> no, uh, no,
1: it's a new theme that we're doing, we're yeah, experimenting, it's why sure. it's two weeks in a row. Uh,
0: so, we forgot that it was, uh, we're recording on Labor Day, and the liquor stores aren't open on Labor Day, yeah. and we were planning to pick up our beers today, so... We, We have different beers again. Except tonight, it's whatever was in our fridges. Basically, luckily, Jeff was able to find one that I had, Uh, so we have one similar beer. Uh, but the death. other one will just kind of be what we had around. <laughs> so <laughs> really running a tight but ship over here. they are from here. the
1: same brewery. So That's
0: true. That's true. Uh, but anyway, Jeff, do you want to tell us our first beer of the night? Not necessarily the one you picked, but uh, a, a, a beer we're both drinking. <laughs>
1: That's right. Uh, so this is Rhyme and Reason. It's a collective arts beer. It's kind of their flagship, just like pale ale. They do a lot of IPAs. They do a lot of, uh, you know, like bigger stuff more sours and stuff this is just kind of their stock pale ale it'll always be uh be around and uh yeah i mean we've talked about collective arts we've done a few of their stuff but uh we've never done this one so i'm excited to get to it because i used to drink this a lot and i actually have not had it in a really long time
0: yeah this is one of the ones that got me into this um distillery or brewery (laughs) distillery where's my mind at i'm so all over the place uh but um it's one of those ones that's like it's been on our list to do for a really long time and we always were saving it for a rainy day and today is that rainy day so that's right yeah anyway we have some magic news As you know, the new set has released on Arena. Dominary United is out. You can play it right now in Arena, but if you're a paper player, you still can't buy those products yet until, I guess, the day this episode airs, but, um, yeah, it's the best time to be an Arena player the week when it comes out on Arena is when it comes out in paper. Um, In particular, the Thursday. mm -hmm. Right before pre-releases, yeah. It is awesome. Um... Also, this week, uh, September 9th to the 12th, there's a standard metagame challenge, uh, which are awesome. Jeff, these are some of your favorite events, I know.
1: Yeah, they're super high EV, um, and if you're, so you know, your expected value. And um, if you, like, have been playing standard at all, that kind of gives you a leg up, and you can uh, make quite a few, like, packs, uh, build your collection they're really good for building your collection.
0: Yeah, because if you like go max wins, you get like what forty packs or something?
1: Yeah, I forget exactly what it is. I thought it was thirty, but it might maybe it's forty.
0: Something like that. I don't know. Something it's that, a lot. They might change it. Um, but yeah, they're they're pretty great. It's a
1: good chunk of wild cards.
0: Exactly. And it's
1: not like like some events like the arena open or whatever. It's like, yeah, sure, if you win you get two grand, but so few people win, it's so hard. This isn't really like that. Lots you know, I've even Pulled this off a couple of times. Yeah, I've done getting it. Getting to seven in the metagame challenge. So
0: yeah, once or twice. Uh, so
1: if I can do it, so can you. Uh, it it's also it's actually like achievable. Yeah, it's,
0: it's achievable, and it also doesn't take up as much time. You just kind of play the event. You either win or lose, uh, and then you go. As opposed to arena opens, where you try multiple times on day one, and then you have to play day two and all that stuff. So definitely worth playing. Uh, they're great, but if you're not into standard at the moment. Um, the qualifier weekend is not this weekend, but the following one. So the best of one plane event is, of course, this mm. weekend on September 9th. And that format is Phantom Sealed. So good thing about oh, this, cool. Phantom Sealed, well, is great. But the midweek magic this week is Phantom Sealed to get ready for that. And then the, the qualifier weekend is all Phantom Sealed. And then the arena open in October is also Phantom Sealed. So, uh, or sorry, I don't know if it's Phantom in the arena open, it, you might be able to keep the cards, but it's still sealed on day one and then draft day two. I
1: think for the, for the price tag of an arena open, I should get to keep my yeah. six rares.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I think that's what it is. But the good thing about this is that if you're interested in all those events, there are a bunch of times to practice playing sealed to do that, which is really cool. So you might want to start now with the midweek magic, which I guess just happened when this episode airs, but... Um, that's just a really, I, I'm, good job, Wizards. That's really cool. You thought ahead and are giving people practice and time to work on these skills, I think, which is, which is nice.
1: It's really nice when they sequence things in a way that makes sense. I love it.
0: Yeah, uh, that's not normal. Like, even the standard metagame <laughs> challenge, having it so early in the format where it's, like, fun and exciting and I want to see deck lists from it because it's not all set in stone yet. Really cool. Like, good job. Yeah, I'm surprised
1: this week's, you know, big tournament isn't, like, historic, but you can't use the new cards
0: for some reason. (laughs) That is... (laughs) Oh, like they would have had a historic metagame challenge, like, this last weekend, and you can't use the cards yet. (laughs) Yeah. Jeez. Um, cause that's the kind of shit that we used to deal with. So yeah. <laughs> I think, thank you, Huey. Things are getting better. I don't know if he's in charge of this kind of thing, but maybe his ideas are I'm trickling down. I'm just attributing
1: down. every good decision to him. So.
0: Yeah. Good job, Huey. Um, anyway, <laughs> awesome. Jeff, let's get into Dominera United. Some of our first sips on the set. Uh, how, how does it feel? How are you doing? How was your, uh, your pre-release weekend or, or just playing it? <laughs> Uh, I managed to play a lot more of it
1: than I thought that I was going to. My, uh, my son's sleep schedule is sort of coalescing into a, a more normal pattern. Heck yeah. And so I was able to stay up a bit later at night after he's gone to sleep and, and play some. Although one night I, I kind of just let time get away from me. And next day, you know, it's like three in the morning and oh. my wife's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh shit. Oh shit. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on me. Oh man. Um, but Uh, that should maybe tell you that I've been enjoying it a lot. Um, It's, I think the limited format, you know, it's always so hard to tell on these first Sips episodes which limited formats are going to be the ones that, like, we don't hate in in a month and which ones are the ones that we're going to hate, like, next week. Mm -hmm. Um, Because they're always fun at first. But this one seems to have legs. Like, I think we all kind of knew, like, New Capena is my go-to example I think we all identified immediately that, like, one of the, you know, color trios is just way better than the other ones, mm-hmm. and then also there are only five decks, and usually you get access to ten, so, like, there were some clues that it wasn't going to be a everyone's all-time favorite limited format. This one I'm just really enjoying. I've, I've drafted a bunch, um, played a, a wide variety of different archetypes, and had success, like, You know, some stuff I've had a lot more success with, but uh, I wouldn't say that there's anything that jumps out to me as being, like, just awful, Mm -hmm. you know? And sometimes, you know, even in week one, you play against, like... Like I remember what was it? Uh, Midnight Hunt or something or we just like is it is it just me or do Werewolves suck? Oh
0: yeah. <laughs> how,
1: how can Werewolves suck? This is the Werewolf set. We knew that in like one week.
0: Yeah, that was frustrating. And I know a lot of people in Crimson Vow were like, "Ah, oh, it's so bomby." You know, people just play all of these bombs right. and people are making lists of the all, the amount of limited bombs there were. Um and yeah, it I, feels
1: less bomby. It, it doesn't feel super bomby to me this this format. Um I've heard people complain about the Defilers at Rare that they should have been mythics, but I think like outside of the green one, the Defilers are not, not that bomby.
0: No, they they are good, and mm-hmm. I I do like them. I've played with uh, all, I haven't played with the black one or the green one, um, but all the other ones I've I've played them. They I've
1: had the red one so many times, like
0: red I, one's I definitely good. Have a
1: play set of the red one just from. Literally playing it in my red deck, so a four I had a deck with
0: yeah, two so. that's insane. Yeah. A four mana four four first strike, is just an awesome body in limited because it like yeah. a lot of the big creatures uh, that in green, like most notably is that like common worm you see all the time, the five four vigilance <laughs> one with trample, yep, and it eats that alive, and then you can kill all the x ones or the one ones which are running rampant. So that card's dope. I'm. I love it.
1: Yeah, but it's not unbeatable. No, right, the thing. I think it's totally fine to have as a rare. It's just yeah. a good rare. You know, I, it's not like oh, why did they print this at rare? Which a lot of people are suggesting have. I, I can kind of see that with the green one because the green one's like literally is just going to win you the game if it Sticks. survives and yeah. you can kind of sandbag it and play it and then also play a green permanent right after and it just feels like I can't beat that. Yeah. But, uh, Which
0: is what you want to do with those cards anyway. You want to get your value on the first turn. Um, it's what I would say is like I'll make sure it's a consideration,
1: right? Sometimes I just jam it, you know, if I have nothing else to do on turn four, okay, I'll play my 4-4 four, first four striker. Mm-hmm. They don't have any X1s, it's not that likely I'm going to get value out of it. But I would say, like, I see too many people just throwing them out naked in situations where you maybe should have considered just playing it next turn and your 2-drop. But you can, like, play for, you know, 2-life instead of...
0: Especially because you have to be wary because Essence Scatter is a real card. And Mm -hmm. it's a card that you should be playing and taking. And I have eaten a few with essence scatters just because it's like oh perfect that's exactly the card I want to counter right now
1: (laughs) yeah a a lot of people out there on the ladders haven't played against essence scatter in a while and it shows Mm -hmm. so when your opponent bounces your bomb and then holds up two mana (laughs) they have a very clear plan Mm -hmm. okay maybe if you can help it don't let them do that don't let them counter the spell play something else
0: yeah um i did have kind of a question as far as limited goes for um what my experience has kind of been in the client is that i'm worried that it will feels a little bit like call time possibly where mm-hmm. in call time there was kind of like you can either play uh five color like good cards or boros aggro that was kind of the the two decks that were being played um do you feel that way? I don't I don't know if I really feel that way, but I was kind of nervous coming into it that that might be the case.
1: Yeah, I think that's the way the early metagame evolved, which is just natural because in a set with domain and fixing, and domain's like a cool thing to do or to shoot for in Limited, lots of people are going to do that, right? Anytime there's like multicolor sets, you always have to at least test out the strategy of, I'm going to take all the common dual lands Mm -hmm. first and then just take whatever i want and play like a five color deck you always have to try it like if they're gonna give it to you you're gonna give it a go i think lots of people are trying that and then they're getting pummeled by the other people who realize people are doing that and are taking boros Mm aggro and so it's like a natural state for a set like this to start in but I've had a lot of success with other two color decks as well. Like I, I play. I pretty much play no five cut co- like, I play. have been playing all two colors with maybe a splash. Um, because I just don't, I don't think the like domain deck is is that real. I people love it. I play against it a lot, mm-hmm. but I beat it a lot. So, the the payoffs just aren't worth how hard it is in limited. I, I think people aren't properly accounting for how many games they lose because their first three lands are tap lands Mm -hmm. but that being said i've had by far the most success with boros (laughs) and boros for whatever reason for me is always wide open it's gotten to the point where like i need to be convinced not to go boros like at the start of the draft i'm expecting that i'll probably end up in boros because (laughs) i value those cards really highly and nobody else seems to and so as soon as one of them shows up i'm I'm going to... Oh, that's a signal. Time to go Boros. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the fact that I keep getting, like, seven win runs from doing that is only reinforcing that bad habit in my mind, so...
0: Well, I, I don't know if it's a bad habit. It's just... Uh, it will be... I think it's correct until it becomes incorrect. You know what I mean? Right. Like, the
1: hard part is going to be breaking it, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I'm gonna. It's going to be, like, the end of the format. Boros is decidedly the worst, and I'm still like... Ooh, pass me this boros, this gold boros uncone. And I guess I got to take it. I got to
0: take it. (laughs) Oh, yeah. No, I was playing. So I went to the paper pre-release like I was talking about last week. And um, so I've paid. I think I've played a bit more sealed than draft just because I was kind of I played a couple sealed on arena before I went just to kind of get ready for it. And I had decided that I wanted to be aggro um, if I could, because that's just. What I even in sealed, that's like I knew people were going to try to be greedy, and that's what I wanted to do uh i I love playing aggro and sealed it's almost always what I'm hoping to open
1: is like a tight aggro deck in my sealed pool because people get so greedy in sealed
0: yeah, um, which was the case for the most part um of people I played against, but um I did end up opening Liliana of the veil, which was awesome. <laughs> It um, pays for the pre-release. It, it, it <laughs> did, except for I'm not going to sell it. I'm going to keep it, but uh, <laughs> it was... Right, you can tell yourself. Yeah, I could pay. tell myself that I just bought... I Yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> but I also got the defiler, the white defiler, and the archangel of uh, the wrath. Oh, Is that sure. what it's called?
1: It's a nice little... Black white deck, and you can splash red to occasionally hit that multi kicker.
0: Yeah, it was pretty good. So I was playing white black, and then I actually was splashing green because I had those. I had a few different uh cards that had green kickers. Mm-hmm. It was like that, uh, the one in the white for the two two um soldier that's a two two, but if yeah. you kick it, you put a plus one plus one counter on somebody. I had that, but the other card that was that I love is that uh, single black for the, uh, the raised dead. But if you kick it with green and another generic, then you get two cards, where one is a permanent or something like that, and you gain some life. That card's really awesome, and I, I just I love the raid on that. So I was like, well, I have to play this. So basically playing all two drops and then some uh, some crazy bombs with reanimate spells. And that was my game plan, and it went really well. So, yay, white bears. I love it.
1: <laughs> yeah, that like black. Um, uh, what's the what do you call those cards? There's got to be a magic card that that's named after, right? The
0: which one? The raised grave dead?
1: digger sorcery thing. Raised dad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That card is somehow both underrated and overrated. <laughs> like, it's good, and. I feel like nobody has identified it as such. People th- seem to think it's trash or amazing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that it's just no, no, in the it's middle. It's just
1: like a. It's just like a above average. Like it's a good. Comp. Uh, I think
0: it, I think it's like it's really good to have one right. Like mm-hmm. you don't need a ton of them. I think a lot of people are talking about that. This isn't something new or or, or phenomenal, but um, being having access to one where. Uh, you can either get something back and then play it immediately because it was so cheap, or get two things back. Urborg repossession is what the card's called. Um, mm-hmm. And I just think that the fact that, like, it was also fun in my deck, yeah, because you can return a creature from your graveyard to your hand, and you gain two life. But if it's kicked, you can return another permanent card. So in my deck, I could return my Liliana if I needed to, which was really sweet. Um, and yeah. in sealed, yeah. obviously, uh, well... It's also better in sealed than in draft, because yeah. sealed is generally slower.
1: Mm-hmm. So raise but what you're saying is a really good point. Like raise deads in general, you want one in every black deck. Mm-hmm. Um, and you usually don't want two unless you have a particular like grindy strategy that involves looping creatures. Yeah. So that's why I th- I say it, that's probably like the crux of why it's both overrated and underrated. The people who identify it as being good stuff their deck with like four of them and I'm sitting there like, what with- what are you doing? <laughs> Why? Yeah, um, you're
0: taking this way too highly. Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. I see it go around. I'm like, ooh, I really hope I can get that back. But I'm never thinking like, oh, sick pack one, pick one, herb work, <laughs> repossession, right. perfect. Well, I only
1: ever see this card like in the first two packs or in, like the last two. Mm-hmm. It's never in the middle. <laughs> That's this is by the way like a early front runner for the card that I am never gonna play because i know it's good but i don't value it as highly as the other people who know it's good mm-hmm. and so it just ends up being one of those cards that i i like in particular just don't really get to play in this format because i'm not willing to take it like second yeah like, i'm not gonna take it second fuck you <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so then of like some of the commons what are like what's the card that you rate the highest that you're like this is yes this is the card i want to play i'm so excited when i see this this is why i'm yeah I mean besides the uncommons and boros, but like what are the the common Boros cards that get you in there?
1: Yeah, for me, no question. Currently it's lightning strike. Um sure. that's yeah. I think just like the the best common in the set. It's so far it seems like it's by a lot, mm-hmm. but there could be some commons that I'm forgetting or or underrating right now. Um, in terms of like the actual Boros strategy, I think one of its strengths is that it has a lot of really Commons that are very good for Boros, and not that good for anyone else. Mm-hmm. And so that's part of what makes it... I, currently, I think, the best deck. Like, you're looking at Griffin Protector. is just okay in everything else, but it's very, very good in Boros. Mm-hmm. And it's a common... Um, what's the squad? The, like, 3-1 Haster that can make two additional 1-1s one when you kick?
0: Keldon Strike Team. Yeah. If we're talking
1: Boros in particular, this is the card that I'm always... Taking something else, because I know this will wield to me as the Boros player, and then just getting like a, an absolute slam dunk, ninth pick, 10th pick
0: card. That's amazing. Uh, unreasonably good card for my deck to be taking it that late. <laughs> who, is, who is in your drafts? Because this is a card that I'm actively looking for and will pick over other cards, and I never see it. Like, I just don't see it. So I'm like... Dude, I'm wh- telling you,
1: Boros is always wide open in my drafts. Oh, you're so lucky.
0: <laughs> um and then i'm just like i guess
1: i have to go boros again and then i'm like just kidding i love it (laughs) because it's also like the go wide tokens strategies one of my favorite limited strategies too so um whenever it's around and good maybe i i tend to overvalue it but i jump right in the last time i remember this is like m19 had like trumpet blast and uh inspired charge i think it was called which are like worse versions of the the cards that we have in this set Mm -hmm. um but it was a similar deal right it was good because it just had a lot of good commons that other decks didn't want that badly so you would get a really high like density of quality cards and then ben s i was like crushing everyone with boros and then ben s put a youtube video out that was like boros is by far the best you want to be in boros if you can and I was
0: like,
1: no. Nah. I was watching the video because I knew that I would never get like the dream Boros stack ever again. <laughs> it's all
0: over, which yeah. means you need to hard pivot and play like I don't know, like Rakdos or Gruul or something. But the one cards that I I like I want to play because I I see now these Boros stacks are coming up. I want to play Smash to Dust and always just destroy all the one oh, uh, yeah. tough creatures. I can't, I can't fucks me up
1: man <laughs>
0: <laughs> because i haven't seen enough of it and i really want it to be more of a card that that you know isn't just there's the, also the, the like
1: golgari choking miasma type thing or like the minus two minus two to everything card yes the black it's one that's one yeah. i'll lose to.
0: that one's quite a bit it feels better like it i think it's
1: it, it feels like if it's not one of those cards though the boros deck is it's not gonna lose yeah <laughs> you need something like that because it just it does too much damage too quickly while also building out its board. Yeah, well... It's crazy that I can play, like, Captain's Call, make 3 one ones, and also that generates a five-power flyer. So it's, like, going to clock you and also build my board out.
0: Exactly. And, I like, I really like... Shout out to our Givian Cavalier. That card has been really... Mm-hmm overperforming for me i thought enlist was so enlist okay we're talking about boros i want to talk about enlist because we didn't talk about it on any of our other episodes and it's normally this type of mechanic where i read it and i was like man that sucks this sucks (laughs) (sighs) but then i was thinking about it a little bit more and ultimately i'm just really surprised that they brought banding back to magic i never thought that was going to happen um, and that's kind of what this is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of like expanding, but like less complicated. It makes more sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, but just having the ability to be able to take your tutu and be able to, you know, finagle a way to, to have a good attack, which normally you would have to give another card to, or like present a combat trick or something so that you can get through like, um, a, a four toughness creature or something like that. having, it on board every turn and them having to decide every turn, oh, do I want to get rid of this so it doesn't keep chunking me for four or what, um, it, it becomes a lot better because then this, you know, three mana 2-2 two, two that makes a 1-1 one, one attacks as a 3-2 whenever you want. Like that's, it just will. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I've just been happy with Enlist and uh, I like this specific card.
1: Yeah, Enlist is good in... I mean, Boros in particular, mm-hmm. but in aggro, the way to th- that I think about enlist is like, it lets your dorky early creatures get in damage later. Mm-hmm. Because it's like, oh, I have a 2-2. It hits you a couple of times, and then it's maybe, if I'm lucky, and then it's brick walled by something. But if I have a 3-4 enlist trample, then that 2 two's power gets added to my 3-4, and so the 2-2 is still providing pressure mm-hmm. and still being relevant. Um, and you know, if I, if that three, four instead had a different uh, keyword, like even flying or something, it's just a much stronger keyword on, on the surface. I'm still only getting in three damage instead of the five. So the two, two's not adding that pressure. Mm-hmm. And so I like to think of it as sort of giving one, it gives, it doesn't give all of your dorks pressure, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you can only do it once. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it gives one, your best dork, uh, stays relevant longer which goes a long way in an aggro deck yeah i should point out though make sure you know it's not as good as it looks because it specifically says the creature you enlist can't have summoning sickness yes (laughs) Uh, i thought it was like bonkers you were saying it looked bad and i was like no it gives everything haste that's fucked up
0: (laughs) no and i knew that and i remember reading the sickness part and i'm like oh man okay so you can't like turn two enlist creature turn three Tap them for the enlist thing.
1: Oh yeah, I like uh, had the two two enlist. I slabbed my three drop, boom boom boom, attack all, like speeding through it, and attacked my two two right into a three three. Oh. And I was just like, oh,
0: oh.
1: why why didn't it let me? Why didn't it let me do the thing? And then I read it as like non summoning.
0: Oh uh, yeah.
1: I gave my opponent the oops. He gave me the. They gave me the sorry. Yeah, because like, they oh. they
0: know it's early in the format, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it also has it's like the same timing thing as like exert. So you have to make sure you individually click each creature that's unlisting and yeah. all that. So uh, that tends to be fairly important. But um, the one enlist card that I've just been like, you know what, this thing frickin' rocks, and I I love it. It's it's not Boros, but the Line Breaker Baloth.
1: Yeah, that card's really
0: good. This fucking card, <laughs> it's the uh, three green green for the four five. They can't be blocked by creatures with power two or less. And then, so I was playing in Sealed, and I had this with the Territorial Morrow, and so I was just enlisting the Territorial Morrow onto this guy, so he gets, like, plus eight power, and then I attack, and they can only block with, like, one creature. (laughs) It's like, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah,
1: obviously, any sort of evasion with enlist is nuts, and they make that clear by making all of those cards uncommon. It's like the flying enlist creature is very good. Because it's like, oh, if you don't have a flying blocker, I'm going to be attacking you for like five or six. Take it. With this thing.
0: I just, I'm just really happy that it actually turned out because a lot of the Boros mechanics can end up being kind of shitty. Um, And so it's nice when this one isn't like crazy overpowered and so strong like you were thinking it originally. But is still Mm -hmm. helpful in certain cases where um, it's not like, oh, you want to have a bunch of creatures, but your abilities only work if you attack with one which isn't the case. You can still attack with more and all that. So I'm I'm just happy with it.
1: I like the way it's playing out. Like I'm putting a 1-3 Vigilance in my aggro decks, and like mm-hmm. it's one of my star two drops.
0: <laughs> You're like, fuck yeah, this card's sick. Um, <laughs> that is nice. One card, actually, that um, I think... I'm pretty sure... It seems bonkers to me, but I don't know how everybody else is feeling about it, but uh, have you been playing with Shadow Prophecy? I don't play...
1: I have, I have not
0: ever cast that card. Um, because is that like
1: the instant speed divination?
0: It's an instant type thing. Yeah, it's, it's basically instant speed divination, but you get to look at the top X cards where that's your basic land types. So it, you need two at least to make it a divination. Um, oh, yeah, right. But it's instant speed. You lose two life for it. So but, the floor is not
1: quite a divination, but it might as well be. Yeah, You're basically.
0: Gonna... Like you don't want to play it in mono black. But um, so so using it to try to find your other land is not the best. But really, right.
1: it, it doesn't help you in that situation where you had you drew swamps on swamps. Swamp.
0: Yeah, but it still to me, I was playing a couple like Demir, like tempo games, and you're just holding up your essence scatter, and then you play, and when they don't play a creature or or don't play anything that's worth countering, you just Shadow Prophecy. And you have maybe a splash or a couple of duels, and then you're just like looking at four cards and picking the best two. And you're like, "This is this is awesome! <laughs> I, I <laughs> this card's so good." <laughs> um, so I've been really happy with it, and especially when you dump the other cards in your graveyard. So if you're doing any reanimate shenanigans, um, which we have a pretty good one, it's uh, it's <laughs> I've been I've been really happy with that card. Same kind of situation. I don't want too many of them, but
1: yeah, uh, it does seem like good in exactly that blue blue black control mm-hmm. for sure, and then probably just okay in the other black decks. Maybe bad in like red black or something. Probably or just okay in red black. Maybe it's it's still like it still is an instant speed divination. Yeah, right? like that's a good that's a it's good limited good. card.
0: Especially because the uh, actual divination is not good, so. Right. <laughs> um when you're playing blue i've been
1: playing like mostly aggro decks yeah i've always just seemed to teeter towards aggro so anytime my opponent plays shadow prophecy i'm like the game's over
0: (laughs) you just took a turn off to lose two to to shock yourself
1: thank you (laughs) i mean yeah.
0: (laughs) i'm gonna give my five creatures plus two plus one is that okay (laughs) fuck you and trample if i want (laughs) yeah Uh, (laughs) um (laughs) um so there's one last thing i want to talk about as far as limited that um this is something i've been seeing online but haven't experienced myself so i'm wondering if you have um interesting so there is talk about this mythic uncommon that's the best card wait can i guess yeah yeah, yeah. i want i want to hear because there is one uncommon that i think is fucking stupid as
1: hell and uh i i think it's the dumbest card and I would choose it as the Mythic Uncommon.
0: Okay, perfect.
1: I don't know what it's called. All right. But it it's one one ones it? equal to the number of defenders you control. And then anytime you play a defender, you get another one one flyer.
0: Yes, that's the card. So it's called Fuck that, um, card, yeah. it, Fuck that card, man. I've like I've seen people make
1: like seven one ones and then I'm just dead in two turns. Yeah. It's like, what is this card? Uh and the fact that it the fact that you can <laughs> play defenders after it and still get the butt, the benefit.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this is Wing Mantle Chaplain. It's a white card. It's three and a white for a zero four 4 Human Cleric with Defender. But it does exactly that. When you play it, you get 1-1 one, one Flyers for each Defender you control. And then when you play more Defenders afterwards, you get more Flyers. Uh, and it's
1: an O four, 4 So it's like... Okay, it's an O three. It's an O three. 3 Oh, it's th- 0-3, okay. <laughs> you play this. There's nothing I could do. I can't get through on the ground, and I can't get through in the air. <laughs>
0: Yeah. Ex- just, just one card. From one card. Um, and not only that, there is... Um, where is it? Okay, so there's a common Shield Wall Sentinel, which is a four mana one, three Defender. But when it enters the battlefield, you search your library for a creature with Defender. So yeah. you can turn four, go tutor up your Mythic Uncommon, play it, get two birds, and whatever other Defenders you had. It, and the thing about this card is that it's, it is still good, by itself, just be, be having that little combo in your deck, being able to go get it. And I don't think you necessarily need to be all in on your defender ness. If you're just oh, playing okay, like, sure. yeah. you know, one for one removal and you get a couple birds in the air, we already know from playing this game and playing cards that are like, what was that one in Call Time where you like destroy your exile their creature and you give them a 1 1 bird? And everyone thought it was amazingly busted and the best thing ever. And then it killed everyone in in limited because they can't kill a stupid one-one bird. It's like
1: yeah, well, I forget the name. But of it's that.
0: like giving your opponent a one-one bird is a really bad idea. So if you have a card that comes down and makes a one-one bird, that's a great card.
1: One-one <laughs> flyer is like pretty much a full card in limited. Yeah. In terms of how good that is, um, like if it's not, it's close. Yeah. And this just makes so many of them like. Sometimes this comes down. And you're like, well, that was like a six for one. What what is that? Yeah. For three mana or four mana. Four, four mana. I guess. Four and mana. It's like. I remember the first time losing to this card. I had to read it like three times because I was like, "There's no way this is what it says." <laughs> and I think it's just the dumbest part is that you don't have to wait and time it optimally. You can play it first, be totally satisfied with two bodies, uh, one in the air, one on the ground for your four mana, and then. Also, now, every defender I play will still generate. Like, I didn't miss out by <laughs> not saving it. Fuck this card. It should not It should not be this good at Uncommon. And uh, I don't think people totally know it yet, because I got one sixth pick in the last draft that I did in pack one, and then in pack three, seventh pick, I got a second one. Jeez. And I was like, okay... Maybe I'm out to lunch, but I don't think so. This card is so stupid. Yeah. I mean, if it you play doesn't, Black it White doesn't enlist. You already so. want the defender. Right. It doesn't attack, so. <laughs>
0: okay. No, it can't, but it can't even enlist another attacker, you know? Some of the walls can. <laughs> this one cannot. Uh, can it,
1: or do I just get zero? Okay,
0: power? sorry, it can, but it, it's just useless, yeah. You just tapped your blocker, but.
1: <laughs> but sometimes in, like, black-white, you want the defender that sacks stuff anyways, like, that's. Not a great card for you, but it's fine, and then you just also, you just like like you're saying, you don't have to be the defenders deck for this card to be good. If you just yep. have a few nat like defenders, and especially the one that tutors for this card, it's already a little combo, like like you're saying. It's I see it's it's busted, in the defenders deck, mm-hmm. when it makes like I literally like I was saying six or seven of them. I just lost, like I was way ahead. They played this. I lost the game. So yeah it's like right well, you're just gonna all out attack me twice and even though i have a few flyers i can't do anything you have too many
0: yeah it's uh <laughs> um so i haven't really seen it on the battlefield but i've, I've seen a lot about it on in discourse on twitter and, and different things like that so yeah. i've never cast it mm-hmm. myself despite having the two in the last
1: draft. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> i have lost to it a couple of times
0: uh anyway we are, we are getting, oh, and we're, you know, we're talking about stuff. But, Jeff, is there one last thing you want to talk about before we go on a beer break? Um, just any uh, piece of advice or, or, uh, or, or card you want to mention? Uh, not necessarily a card. I want to just, you know, we talked a little bit about
1: Enlist. Um, I want to talk a bit to Kicker. Okay. We talked about Kicker last time. How generally it's, like, overrated and, and uh, maybe it'll be really cool this time with the different color and I want to say that I really like this kicker is a different color than the card because it adds strategy to the deck building and draft portion. Like previous kicker is like, all right, that card is good because it has two options. You know, Shiven fire is good. I take that if I'm in red. When it's like kicker of a different color, you now enter the discussion of do I play a tap land that's a green tap land to facilitate some of the green kickers I have in my blue red deck mm-hmm. do I take this for my blue red deck when the blue spell itself is not that good but if I kick it for this black that's then it's really good can I like so you're color fixing for kickers now or like splashing for kickers and it splashing for kickers is really great and limited because I can still play the card, the splash card, even if I didn't find the, um, splash lands. Yes. So this is a really, this is the most fun I've had with kicker in all of the times that they've
0: I done it. 100% agree. Um, I was thinking that this would be the case, but coming into it, I am so on board. Um, it's, it's so sweet. And I really like some of the cards that we're getting. Like, I want to shout out specifically um, this card isn't fantastic and it's not like this amazing thing, but I really do like Enthrall to the Pit, which is just, oh, it's the active, no, I love that card. it's the active treason <laughs> that sacks the creature. But I, 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 so I don't like it as far as like, I don't think it's very good because it costs too much to play it, but just the way that it seven mana does it. Baby. Yeah, pay seven mana to steal their creature, attack with it, and then second. But being able to do that kind of thing and it feel very on theme is nice. And like you were saying, when you're playing all these cards, I love all the kickers because it's like, you know, some of these things I want to play by themselves, and then if I can kick them, that'd be great, but I'm not going to... Maybe I'll have some duels that I can still cast all my regular things with, but I don't have to feel like I... If I have green kickers, I don't necessarily have to put a forest in my deck because maybe I have two of the dual lands and I feel like that's enough because it's just splashing the kicker.
1: And I love, I think they've designed it really well to complement that. Like, I'm a big fan of the green disenchant that has black kicker to just make it exile Mm -hmm. anything. Yeah. Um, Love it. Like, in a green black deck, that's an amazing card. And then in any green deck, it lets you sort of main deck a disenchant and throw a couple of the green black tap lands in and lets you like spike that. Hey, sometimes I hit the black land and I have this card and It's awesome. Yeah. And then sometimes you'll just, you'll have a dis- disenchant that you wouldn't normally have had in your deck. And that's like crucial. And you, even without the black mana, you still get rid of an enchantment.
0: Yeah. Cause even like this, the splashing of all the other uncommon like dual cards, um, those, obviously, you're thinking a little bit harder because some of them are double colors, and so that splash is so hard if you're, like, if, I don't know, you're, you're playing blue-black, but then you get, like, tattoo over or something. You're like, I can't double-splash a card like that. Um, right. So having these little teeny splashes really add something, and I, you're playing against people, and they're playing these dual lands, you're like, I don't know if you're playing that just for domain cards or because you have a kicker card in your deck, you're going to... Do something right, with no flash. giveaway. You just don't know. Like it's like really exciting. Like I, I can't. They might be
1: playing it just because of the four four reach that domes me for the number of lands they exactly. have. Exactly. Like that, that card's really good if they doming me for four.
0: I have no idea. So it's it's really, it's it's just been a joy. I I kicker. I never it's, liked kicker. I like kicker. Not that I, sorry. Yeah. I don't. It's not that I never liked kicker, but the last time we had kicker uh, Zendikar and then Dominaria before that. I was kind of, like, iffy about it, because it was like, like you were saying, yep, this card's just good, and then it fits in places, which is nice, but... Right,
1: and the so-called, like, you know, adding options, I felt like was a bit overstated, because it was almost always obvious which version of the spell to play. It was very rare that you were like, should I play this for one or play it for six? It was like, yeah. well, either you can afford the six or you can't, in <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like whereas this is a lot more interesting during the deck building phase and even kicks through to the uh, uh the gameplay phase in the same capacity that the previous kicker did so
0: yeah um, yeah really I'm, I'm well wondering done on, on kicker here and is it because like we like playing aggressive decks so kicker actually isn't really helpful to us most of the time cuz it's like great now this card for it to be relevant I have to spend 5 mana and Instead of being like, Oh, this is two and then if I add a different color it gets better. So that's that's just been uh, that's been great. I I like it. Good job. It's also
1: like extra reading, so you know. Well that's true. Well
0: half of them I don't really know what they do anyway. Um <laughs> yeah. I just look at the numbers and the pretty colors. I just like lose to the card enough times
1: that I know what that card does. Mm-hmm.
0: It does something you know, it just like, like it goes on the stack and I concede. That's basically what it does. And do. then I see
1: that like, oh one of my creatures got bounced and the other one got killed. Alright, that's what that card does. Yeah.
0: <laughs> or that bounces it to my hand, or sometimes it goes on the bottom of my library, or I'm like, wait, what what the yeah, fuck yeah. is that Where is this card going? <laughs> <laughs> oh. Um, anyway, yeah,
1: I've been like two color and exclusively splash. Like I said previously, and the splash is always just like a kicker splash. Yeah, I don't think I've ever actually splashed. Oh no, I splashed the green black rare because yeah, that's a mm-hmm. sick card. But, I uh, mean,
0: like, like you, you got it. You got to you got to splash sometimes. You got to keep life splashy. Um, one last piece of advice I'd like to remind everyone uh, that we do have a fun tapper in the format. This this clockwork drawbridge, the wall. Um, <laughs> good tapper love it uh just make sure you read your opponent's cards if your opponent's cards uh might have a tap ability not a uh, when it attacks ability uh so don't make Ah. the mistake of tapping down this uh celestia uncommon that pumps their entire team when it taps um don't do that
1: that's no, really a really specific piece of advice. I mean, yeah. Surely that's not something that happened to you. No, so. no, 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 no. I would never do that.
0: That would that would never happen to me. I'm not dumb no. enough to uh, <laughs> tap their four four and then give all their creatures plus one plus one counters. That that would never happen to me. No. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyway, with that, Jeff, do you want to go on a beer break and uh, grab some some other beers we have in our fridge?
1: <laughs> yeah, let's do
0: it. This beer break is brought to you by our patrons over on Patreon. That's right. You're already supporting the show
1: just by listening. But if you want to support the show even more, the Patreon is the best way to do that. Plus, you get to vote on your favorite co-host by buying me a beer.
0: Or buying me a beer. So go to patreon.com/slash arena regulars to vote on your favorite host.
1: Or if you want to talk to us directly, join the Arena Regulars
0: Discord channel. Finger guns. <laughs> <laughs> all righty jeff um, that rhyme and
1: reason went straight to my head
0: <laughs> uh so we have two different beers luckily they're from the same brewery yeah they are indeed yes perfect so i So oh you go ahead you go ahead
1: oh i was just gonna say that our beers are from nickelbrook and then say you go
0: ahead. All right. Well, Tell perfect. <laughs> they are from Nickelbrook. And I have uh, the new uh, Naughty Neighbor. So Naughty Neighbor is is one of their classic beers, but they, they have recently changed their branding on it. Uh, so this is their American-style pale ale. Before, it used to be a picture of, like, a um, uh, roller derby uh, player called Naughty Neighbor, and they have changed it to be more America-themed as a joke uh as as Canada's naughty neighbor is the United States. Yes, which you know all, so, at first I was really upset because I thought that the <laughs> you know I thought it was kind of funny the other one, but then the more I thought about it I was like, you know, I think this is actually a better play on words and a, a bit of a better joke as it's an American style paleo Yeah. Um and so I think I'm on board.
1: Yeah, so Nickelbrook's uh Semi local. I think it's from Burlington. So it's like pretty close to where I am in Hamilton. Mm -hmm. And it's been around, like, I remember it in when I was in university or undergraduate. The stuff was around, but they had like wildly different can design. Like, it's very sleek looking now. Mm -hmm. They've gone through a few phases. Um, The phase before this one I did not like, but this one is is getting better. Mm -hmm. The previous one was just like black and silver. It looked like generic.
0: That's true. They all were black and silver too.
1: Right. Um, but even before that, the naughty neighbor was like a, the, it was like a girl next door style, yeah. mascot, and I definitely understood why they changed that one.
0: Mm-hmm. And I
1: think pushing it all the way to this like it's a joke about the United States, um, and, and they'll, they'll change it in a few years, right or mm-hmm. something. I think they're they're trending in the right direction. On it's updates. it's a bit better,
0: you know. I can understand like the marketing to like the uh, bro thing, you know, um, because you know we grew up with a movie that was the girl next door. Now I okay. don't think I actually watched that movie, but I definitely remember the cover of that movie. So um, I have no I, idea if I've seen
1: it or not. I just remember it being in the ethos.
0: It's in was, it's yeah. in the American Pie world, EuroTrip Trip world, exactly. all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, some of which I've seen
1: and some of it which I haven't. Um,
0: they're all kind of the same. You don't really need to, eh, yeah, yeah, you know.
1: Exactly, yeah. We, um,
0: don't, we don't need to, I, I could go on a really long rant about sex comedies, but um, this is not that anymore, and uh, it is also, no longer. it's 4.9%. Um, yeah, I'm going to crack this open while you're talking about yours, because I want to drink it, so.
1: Sure. For anyone who needs to picture what it used to look like though. It was like the old, old Milwaukee's thing. It was, it's like that. Yeah. Is what it was. Um, but the reason I bring it up is because the beer I have is called Headstock. And the reason that I originally bought Headstock, which was years ago, was because of the can design. So it was like a bright orange can and the whole thing, it was a panorama depiction of like a bunch of people partying at Woodstock. Oh, and they all had like Headstock beer is what they were all drinking, and I was like, "This is an amazing can," and like, "I have to buy it," and then it turned out to be pretty good, Um, and then they updated their thing and it was just like Headstock and silver writing on a black can, and I was so bummed, and then now they have this, which is like it's it's an acceptable middle ground. It's just like an orangey can, which you know the can used to be orange, so I like that they did that, and it's just a picture of like a gibson style like les gotcha. paul headstock mm-hmm. <laughs> it says stay classic on it. it's like okay yeah okay I can, I can get behind this it's not like the sweet like crazy woodstock can you used to have i think they were like to get an image of it it was a little similar to kind of flying monkey stuff because it was very hectic and colorful gotcha. and, and yeah a yeah. lot going on but what I liked yeah. is that when I sat down to, like, look at the can, I noticed a bunch of things. I thought that was actually kind of cool. That is kind of nice. it like attracted me in the first place. But Headstock is a West Coast-style IPA. It's, like, 7%. Um, and I think of it as, like, a classic because it's one of the first craft IPAs that I got into. And I got into it mostly because of the can design. So nice. that's why I've just talked so much about can design.
0: <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's really important, man. Um, that's one thing about collective arts that you know they have rotating artists that are on their cans, so um, it's interesting. Yeah, to marketing see. works on me. I'm not. I'm not one of these people that's like, nah, it doesn't work on me. Like, not nah, totally does. Okay, <laughs> people that say marketing doesn't work on them are fucking lying. So don't listen to them. Marketing works on everybody. But they might be lying to themselves. Their credit. They might actually believe that. <laughs> Yeah, but but they're still lying. <laughs> yeah. um, they're still wrong,
1: that's this domain that's the
0: main, that's <laughs> really important point here. Uh, anyway, um, we are about to be really wrong, probably, <laughs> or at least oh, at I yeah. am. <laughs> oh yeah! <laughs> in our worth a slot segment, we're bringing it back. This is our uh, fan favorite. Uh, people are always clamoring, "Where's the worth a slots?" <laughs> Just kidding. I don't think anyone says that. But um, anyway, we love it, and uh, we are, as always, talking about um, cards that we think are worth a slot in standard from the new set. And then at the end of these, uh, the the set's life, we'll kind of go over and see if that was you know, right or wrong.
1: My favorite part is
0: reviewing ones because it, I'm like, what were we thinking? This card yeah, is good. And then fun whenever we get
1: one right, I like remember that forever. Like, remember when I said Lear was going to be good? That yes. that was
0: crazy. That was good. <laughs> and it went to the world championship too. Um, yeah. All right. So, Jeff, we can do two different things. Last time we had okay. a Worth a Slot segment, we flipped a coin to see who got to go first because it was there was okay. a very obvious first runner. This time we also have a very obvious first runner and I won that flip. So... I think, as the gentleman I am, and I'm so I'm such a gracious co-host, and I really think that I am just so humble that I will let you have the first worth of slot. Hmm,
1: okay. I yeah. was going to say, you know, I, I try not to pass up on an opportunity to flip the ceremonial toonie, or you're actually the one who's going to flip it. That's so true. Okay, you know, hey. To I, have I, the toonie, ceremonial toonie flipped on the show.
0: That's true. I did give you the opportunity, but I could get the toonie um, if I... If I have it, I actually... It's if you don't have it, I will go first. All right, I don't have it in my possession at this exact moment, so I think we should just let you go first. Zach, if cash is a little tight,
1: you know, that's...
0: <laughs> <laughs> going to just let me know. I'll, uh, I'll send you $2
1: transfer.
0: You're the one with, like, who just bought a house and has a kid, and, like, I'm the one <laughs> who doesn't have any money. <laughs> Guys, that hit me
1: up for a fucking day. <laughs>
0: All right, Jeff. Uh, bef- before we get started, do you want to remind everyone um, what the worth a slot uh, uh, system is?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> it's so, so weird. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, worth a slot is when we look at the set, new set and we have played very minimal amount, and we decide to make some recommendations on cards that are worth a slot in your deck. Um, now, that might be just one of it might be four of we'll try to specify when we talk about the card but basically we've organized them into different shots we're taking um, and they're themed around uh, baseball right no no? <laughs> no oh it's uh it's a soccer <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> now well the first wait, one's a we, layup wait should we yeah. change it should we change it every time we <laughs> every, every single time.
1: Yeah. we should just make it like lacrosse themed so. <laughs> so we don't even know what it is anyway this <laughs> is
0: way off topic this is so ridiculous <laughs> <laughs> jeff
1: obviously it's basketball fuck <laughs> oh shit shit okay basketball um so first up is a layup these are the cards that we think are sure to see play um then we have our three pointers these are cards that Usually it's, like, cards that we would like to see play and think actually have a chance, but aren't holding our breath on necessarily. Like, they might, we know, we, we acknowledge there's a reasonable chance they won't make it. And then we have our half-court shots, and these are, like, these are really, you know, like, it's possible. It is technically possible that people decide to play this card. It, it is a card
0: that football. was printed that uh, people could make a deck card.
1: And, and, you know, I don't think any of us have hit a, a
0: half-court shot yet. But, like, no, you know,
1: once a season, somebody hits one, something like
0: that, right? Yeah, so. yeah exactly. So there you go. Um, all right, Jeff, with that long explanation, uh, let's get right into it. What's our first layup? All right, so
1: our first football layup is going to have to be Liliana of the Veil. Bing, bing, bing. This card is amazing. It's already popping up everywhere. Um, I played, like, a quick standard league uh, the other night, and uh, it was a lot of Liliana Mirrors. Um, I did play against Mono White once, but everything else was a Liliana Mirror. Uh, And, you know, I just kind of think... Spoiler that uh, black might just be the best color and standard at the moment. Mm-hmm. And Liliana is a big reason why. The card's very good. If you're sitting back there being like a Liliana hater, not sure why you're choosing that position. But I would argue that you haven't played with or against it enough.
0: I agree. This card is awesome. I had it, obviously, in the pre-release. It was awesome there, too. Um, lots of fun. So this puts me in a rough position because... I have a card written down for my layout that I want to talk mm-hmm. about. But I don't know if it's really going to get there. And I don't know if it's for sure a layout. But I think I'm just going to pick it anyway. Um, Do you want to take my the one that I was going to have in case that uh, no. I lost the, the coin flip? No, because <laughs> I'm going to stick with my guns. And I kind cool. of knew. But we'll see. Um, so I'm going to talk about... Um, my layup is Sarah Paragon. It's a white card, of okay. course. All right. So, two white Getting white. Spicy. Yeah, it's a little spicy, but I think it, it's going to have some legs. So, uh, two white white for a 3 4 Flying Angel. And once during each of your turns, you may play a land from your graveyard or cast a permanent spell with mana value three or less from it. Uh, if you do, it gains when it uh, goes to the graveyard or leaves the battlefield. Exile it, and uh, you gain two life. So this is, like, people were talking about it being, like, baby Lurus. So Lurus obviously brings back uh, two CMC or less. This lets you play lands, and it's three CMC or less. Uh, So
1: wouldn't Lurus be, like, baby this? uh, Lurus is the smaller version of this.
0: Okay. Yes, technically, (laughs) yes. But I think they're saying baby because this one can't be your companion. It's not always in your hand, and it's not... And because Lurus, like, has babies, right? Like, Lurus is a mother or it's like well okay there you go really meta yes you're right luris does have babies (laughs) so this is one of the babies that hatched um
1: i I would like a a test on this to make sure Loris is actually the uh, the, the baby
0: yeah um (laughs) anyway so a couple things about sarah paragon this is the kind of card that uh can go in a couple different decks notably Uh, Obviously, mono white because you have a bunch of three CMC or less creatures. This costs four, which is perfect because you don't want to. There's a lot of cards people have talked about being like, oh, it goes in mono white, but it costs like five. And you're like, five is just a little bit too much. I think four Mm -hmm. is the best place to top end off at, and you can start pulling things out of your graveyard. Plus, it's a three, four flyer, which is great. But if you want to get cheeky with it, it does play permanent cards from your graveyard, which means you can play Liliana the Veil or you can play your um, uh, Obnixilus. So if you have some weird Mardu mid-range deck where you're playing both of those cards and you want to have a cheeky way to get them back with a double white card, go for it. <laughs> if you decide to play a three-color deck, but not one of the three-color decks that's supported
1: in the format yeah, the Trilands, then <laughs>
0: this is Because the you have a you. domain sub-theme
1: as well. Um. (laughs) yeah so I'm also high on Sarah Paragon and the reason I'm high on it is similar to what you just said about Liliana but I was actually thinking it of it from the other point of view this card is very good against Liliana decks because Liliana makes you like discard and you're always like do I discard my land or do I discard a spell that I'm going to play later like you get into this really awkward spot because you know you're gonna be discarding every single turn it almost like undoes your draw step because you it's hard to develop your your lands and your, your board at the same time, and this lets you do that. You play this, you have to have another creature to protect it from Liliana's minus two, but once you've accomplished that, this fights against Liliana. You discard a land, you replay the land from this. Um, and like you said, it's amazing with Liliana as well, because not only can you play the Liliana out of the graveyard, you can discard a land... From the plus one yourself from your liliana and not worry about actually losing that resource so i think the fact that liliana is currently a big part of the metagame and i expect it to be going forward means that this is even better than
0: it usually would be and it's already a pretty pushed card there you go hey i couldn't have said it better myself because i didn't um <laughs> i love that this one actually was my pick okay if i was going second <laughs> Whew. All right, I yeah. picked the, the the correct one. That's perfect. Um, um, and I think there are a couple other options, but
1: mostly like the really. This set is sort of like, it has a couple of really good cards, and then it's kind of flat in power levels. So it's, yeah, I really don't know which cards are gonna make it, and which
0: ones won't. Well, I I think you'll be excited about some of my other picks. Um, but anyway, okay. go ahead. What is your three pointer? Is it fucking Ivy?
1: You're not you're not picking Ivy, are you?
0: I you'll see. <laughs>
1: okay Okay, so there are a couple of other cards um that i was thinking about but i'm i think they're good enough that i don't want to list them as three pointers so i'll list them as like honorable mentions to the layups later okay sure um add add an addendum to our (laughs) our usual system here um let me just make sure i gotta find the card make sure i'm reading it properly now that I'm reading it, I'm wondering if this is also too good. But you know what? For my three-pointer, let's go for this. I'm going to go with Leyline Binding. All right. So this is five and a white for a flash enchantment. It has domain, costs one less for each basic land type among lands you control. When it enters the battlefield, exile target non-land permanent until it leaves the battlefield. This is, like, really aggressively costed. Because if you have, like, a planes and then uh, Grixis Triumph, let's say, uh, it costs two. Yeah, that's, And this card is amazing at two. This card is okay at three and amazing at less than three, um, just in the text box. Mm-hmm. And so I really think it's just not that hard to enable this, to turn it on. Now, if you see this, it's probably going to be in a domain deck. And so that's why I think it's a reasonable three-pointer is that if the domain deck is a thing, this is going to be a big reason why. And this is going to be, like, their removal spell. They're going to be playing it for one white mana all the time. Like, you should just expect this to cost one white mana in that deck. And uh, this is, like, the best removal spell ever at one mana. So, um, if the domain deck ends up having legs, then this will be a huge player. I'm... My guess might be that the domain deck is sort of tier two ish, um, mm-hmm. but good, and so this might not be at like the top of the metagame, but it'll probably fluctuate in and out when decks start to forget about the domain deck a bit. Like it's it's gonna go over the top of them, um, so as the metagame like ebbs and flows, slows down and speeds up, that deck could probably come in and out of tier one. Um, so that's why I think instead of being a layup, this is just a pretty solid three pointer.
0: Yeah. I agree with you. I think if this, because this is a card that I was like, you know, it's felt like a layup to me. So I was mm-hmm. like back and forth, whether it's like, ah, uh, is it going to get there? Is it not? But I think I was having in the context of explore a lot of the time, because I think what having shock lands right. and, and uh, all your triumphs and stuff, this is just so awesome. True. Um, yeah. I'm thinking about this in standard
1: where, where your only real access is triumphs. And exactly. So, and you want to be at least three colors to play this right because Mm -hmm. like i said it's 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 good at three you probably wouldn't play it at just three mana necessarily like that would be that'd be metagame dependent you wouldn't be uh,
0: you wouldn't be drawing it up like that you'd want some off-color stuff just to to be able to make it cheaper sometimes so right but I think it's a phenomenal card, and uh, I think you put it in the uh, just the, the perfect slot where, yes, this card's going to be all over the place if we have this, like, huge five-color deck. Um, but if not, it might not see very much play at all, just because um, we still have March of Otherworldly Light, um, which people are still playing on one. So, um, right. obviously, this fits a different bill, but, uh, yeah, I think... Uh,
1: and I think you'll see a lot of it in the early game because people are going to want to try the domain deck. Same mm-hmm. thing like with Limited, right? People are exactly. going to want to get greedy and try the five-colored deck because that's fun. It's fun.
0: It's super fun. All right. So um, it's funny that we were talking about Standard being such a black-heavy format because I'm going to talk about another white card. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's
1: black's the best color
0: in Standard and then white card, white card. White, white, white card, card. card, right, 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 right. Um... <laughs> so it's hard for me not to talk about this card because it's these are the kinds of things that I, I really like and i i love that this card kind of jumped right into a spot that rotated out like we had a card that kind of did this it left and this one jumped right in there so i'm going to be talking about anointed peacekeeper so two and a white for a three three human cleric with vigilance it says as it enters the battlefield you look at an opponent's hand then choose any card name spells your opponent's cast with the chosen uh, name cost two more to cast and then activated abilities of sources with the chosen name cost two more to activate unless they're mana abilities but who who, who cares about mana abilities right anyway <laughs> so this card um is very much like a hate bear uh it's just um you know, adding cost to cards. It is kind of replacing Elite Spellbinder with just Rotate It Out. Um, I probably would want the 3-1 Flying Body more than the 3-3 with Vigilance, but the fact that this also helps you against the Planeswalkers that are running around is really helpful because you can look at their hand and not pick a card that was in their hand. You can pick their Liliana or Obnixilis or whichever and make all of those mana or their loyalty abilities cost two mana. Which could put a wrench in some people's um, plans, though that's just like really much, very much a corner case. Just being able to make other people's cards cost two more, we already know is really good. So um, having that with this beefy body on the on the same point in the curve and everything, it just slips right in. It just seems like an easy oh, I would throw this into a deck for sure.
1: Yeah. So I have seen some people saying this is better elite spellbinder. Just, like, throwing that out there as if that's obvious. My only guess is that they don't realize that if this dies, the card does not cost two more, two more anymore, whereas Elite Spellbinder, the card just costs two more. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was a big part of the Elite Spellbinder gameplay. If you played with and against uh, Elite Spellbinder often, you know that, like, that was the most annoying thing about it. Because a lot of the other times it's like, oh, I'll just kill it. And so what that does is, with Anointed Peacekeeper, you're going to have to take Lightning Strike a lot of the time, even when they have some big card that um, is better. Because it's like, they're just going to Lightning Strike this. I have to take the Lightning Strike. So that part of the ability is much worse. And also, like you mentioned, the Flying is way better than Vigilance. in a white aggro deck. And the three toughness will matter sometimes, but not often enough that I'm willing to say this is better than Elite Spellbinder. I think it's worse on the balance. Now, the three toughness does actually matter, and the two, you know, the activated abilities will come up occasionally. Um, so, and so I think this card is good and fills a void, like you said, that Mono White does need. Like, with Paulo leaving, they needed something that... De- disrupts in a similar way so i think it's it's nice that they printed this and this will definitely see play if mono white is a viable archetype it's just uh i take issue with people saying it was better than elite spellbinder
0: i (laughs) agree it's definitely not better than elite spellbinder and with that being said this card i think probably fills like two slots in your deck this isn't going to be the four of elite spellbinder that you had because that was an act that was a legit threat that was coming out and like the the there were some problems with it because it was a three one so that it would lose to all the one one flying birds that were around with extra turns but that doesn't matter anyway um I just think that all'll i i'm for sure like this is like if I'm playing that deck i'm gonna put at least two of these in there but that's probably the most I'll do so i won't i don't think I need four copies of this card unless there's something else that comes out later down the line i I'm probably fine with that, and then sliding at something yeah. else. Yeah, and... that's an interesting point too, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I feel
1: like Paulo occupied this space that was like you're just obviously gonna you have to four right things. exactly uh, maybe three. Like the problem was that there was a lot of good three white three drops, and so depending on the metagame, maybe you can shave Apollo for something else that's more like metagame specific. Um, but like pretty much you're default was four. I was like, I think I would think, if my opponent is not playing four Elite Spellbinders in their mono white aggro deck, they're either bad, or very, very good. Mm-hmm. And, like, understand. <laughs> like, they're so good that they understand that they, when they only need three. Yeah. <laughs>
0: and you don't know which one it is. Yeah. Right, or
1: they're just terrible and should be playing four. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I definitely um, should have yeah, been this- playing four. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: This is probably closer to what you're saying. Like, you have two of these. Yeah. Um, and it's going to be a really solid performer for you in that slot. Yeah, I think that's a good choice. Heck
0: yeah. All right. All right. Here we go. <laughs> these are
1: always fun. I think this is a half-court shot I'm taking that's a little closer than ones I've taken in the past. All
0: right. That's like. good, because mine is yeah. way off the map. <laughs> like, so. I, I
1: stepped a little over halfway, I think, okay. and I hope hope the ref didn't notice um, not that you get scored differently for that <laughs> in basketball. so. <laughs> um, but I wanted to go with uh, a card that you will see in draft a fair amount. Ilash Ilkor, the Sadistic Pilgrim. So this is black-white for a 2-2 death touch. Whenever a creature enters the battlefield, you gain a life. Under your control, you gain a life. Whenever another creature you control dies, each opponent loses one life. So it's like Blood Artist on... Or I guess that's not right. It's like... Um,
0: Suture Priest Zulaport
1: and... Cutthroat yeah. on uh, On Crack a little bit. Except it's only your creatures. But then it's a 2-2 two, two Death Touch. And it's uh, black and a white. Now, I love, as we know, sacrifice-based strategies. And I've been a little disappointed. Like, I've been disappointed but also happy. With the, like, recent trend, uh, you know, with Anvil's printing, basically there's no reason not to play other, there's no reason not to play Anvil now, and like, that's just the sacrifice deck. Um, and I, I kind of really like the old school, like, aristocrat style where I have, a, I have a blood artist and I kill them with that. This is the blood artist I need to have that kind of deck work unfortunately it's legendary which really really matters because the way you killed people was having like two or three blood artists Mm -hmm. so that's a huge bummer and there's not like a lot of uh redundancy of this effect like unless you're doing something specific like i think maybe if you you know were to go into clerics it's exclusively clerics you could find something like that right um,
0: which you've talked about you, to...
1: you don't want to do or you have tried and it doesn't work <laughs> exactly so i think this is probably just slightly too weak of a blood artist to bring that archetype back mostly because of the legendary and it's tough to cast um but i still hold out hope when i see a blood artist i'm gonna try to play the blood artist deck and uh this it's a great limited card, but I'm worried that it's just slightly too weak of a blood artist to make it in constructed. But uh, I'm still taking that shot. You better believe I'm going to be building some black white arist old school aristocrat style, uh, sacrifice decks.
0: Oh yeah, I, I think this card's great, and I <laughs> it of course is one that reminds me of you. So, um. <laughs> <laughs> and we have Liliana now, so my deck's not going to be that
1: bad because I have Liliana in it.
0: See, there you go. Um, and this isn't even like fighting for a spot or anything, which some of them are. Uh, some of the, in fact, I, I listed a black card, then a
1: white card and now a
0: black white card. So I think I have my deck. That's, I mean <laughs> like, are you going to put the, the binding in this deck
1: though? <laughs> yeah. No. <You> yeah. <laughs> splash a
0: couple colors. Right. So that. I listed
1: a black card and then I'll take your white card. Yeah. The, the Sarah. Paragon. Oh, Sarah Paragon. Okay. Then we'll make I was like
0: the deck. anointed peacekeeper. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Probably not that one that's good i like this um i like the trend that we're going on with like white cards and black cards um because i think that might be my favorite color combination um oh yeah i know right I- i'm usually azorius uh i thought you were an azorius control guy no well no no nothing, no. nothing but azorius
1: i'm just dipping my time. toes just, in it just, just to ferry here to ferry there
0: no <sighs> anyway <laughs> So there are two cards I was looking at specifically for my half chord shot, and they're both ridiculous. And I don't know if I should go with the more ridiculous one or the one that, like, actually could be played. Um, But I think I'm going to go with the one that might actually be played, Uh, which is going to be funny because when I say this to you, I don't know what you're going to think, but uh, whatever. Who cares? All right. So we're talking Domain, so we're going five-color joda the unifier i
1: was just looking at joda i was like i bet it's fucking joda <laughs> it's gonna
0: be fucking joda all right so joda costs Wuberg, white blue black red green for a 5-5 legendary creature human wizard legendary matters all over the place he says legendary creatures you control get plus x plus x where x is the number of legendary creatures you control so he's a legendary lord uh so when he's sitting on the battlefield he is a 6-6 six, six. just remember that um It also says, whenever you cast a legendary spell from your hand, exile cards from the top of your library until you exile a legendary non-land permanent with lesser mana value. You may cast that card without paying its mana cost, put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So basically, you're just cascading legendary creatures into more legendary creatures, or you're casting legendary creatures into Planeswalkers. So uh specifically the fact that we do have again liliana because we're gonna throw liliana all over the place but um being able to have like playing a big legendary creature into another into a planeswalker as it's coming down seems nuts to me or a planeswalker into another planeswalker just <laughs>
1: just imagine. Oh, okay so like giving everything cascade is is fucked
0: up yes we already know that first off <laughs> uh when it, yeah playing cascade and every card in your deck cascades essentially, it's pretty fucked up. Um, and it's, it's even, it's cascading cards that you actually want to play. You know, cascade has right. that thing so sometimes. so it's not like
1: cascading into a thoughtseize or something. Yeah,
0: shit. where you're like, oh great, oh this isn't where they really want. or a counter spell or something stupid. Like right. this cascades. This is like end step play uh, the wandering emperor and a creature. You know, like right. <laughs> or Liliana and the wandering emperor on end step. Like that's so fucking wait wait. Sorry, does it say your turn? No, it just says from your hand. All right, from we're your good. Hand. Yeah. So. Um, it, I think yeah. it will be crazy. Now, I am naming a bunch of double-colored cards, which is going to be the problem. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I already know that. Uh, but if this deck is around, we talked about Ley Line of Binding. We can put that card in this deck, um, and it's going to be playing all, hey, let's get as many domain cards as we can, um, as far as like lands go, and then play your favorite legendary cards i don't know what those are there are a lot of them they make if you didn't know they make a lot of legendary cards now um but i am kind of thinking mono legendary ones so you don't have to deal with casting double colors too often right and then cascading all those and your your main double colored or five colored card is joda this is like last week when we talked about how it's annoying. How once a tribe like rotates
1: out, they print a tribal lord.
0: Yeah. What the it's fuck.
1: Like, now that Bard class is gone and like Asika is gone and mm-hmm. like all of these legendary like enablers are gone, they now print the legendary super lord.
0: They once the World Tree is gone, that's the real. Right. Item. The World right. Tree. Yeah. True. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, oh, what's the best card to, to <laughs> how to cast this card? World Tree. It's gone.
1: Yeah, this is a super cool card. Uh, i'm hesitant to believe it that it, you know I, I bet i'll lose to this card at some point
0: <laughs> I, I bet that <laughs> i don't like this is definitely like a low tier it's not yeah, yeah, yeah. no no i think it's worth a shot and that's why i put it in here and i want somebody to do it but i want that somebody to not be me it's like finally
1: the upside on a card is powerful enough to warrant this whole the f- life. like they've printed a lot of cards. It's like why don't you do five color legendaries? And it's like because the payoff sucks.
0: Yeah, it's like this uh, is like no,
1: that's a real fucking payoff.
0: Yeah, you have a giant. <laughs> I'm gonna team jump, and you get gonna <laughs> jump
1: through some hoops, but I'm gonna get paid off yeah. if I draw my Jota.
0: <laughs> <sighs> so, anyway, there you go. Those are our, our worth the slots for the season. We'll see. Oh, randomly it pumps itself, eh? Yeah.
1: It's like one of the few cards. Like, normally they don't template cards that way anymore. I
0: guess they wanted to make sure this was a 6-6 because they wanted it above rate. So, there you go. Um, oh, no, it's because it's a scaling pump. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. They you can't can. do it any other way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, luckily we can play this in Arena where it won't be super expensive. I'm sure this card is uh, going up in price with Commander players because that seems like something they would want to do. Yeah. So... Maybe you have your historic brawl Jota deck that sounds fun um, all right, Jeff as we keep going, we have some overrated underrated cards possibly uh, that we can talk about. Do you have an overrated card uh locked and loaded because if not I, I got something for you I do all right let's, um, let's I want to hear it okay it pains me to
1: call this one <laughs> overrated <laughs> Because it's like a black mid-range card. Um, but I've seen people going on and on and on about how amazing Shieldred the Apocalypse is. Really? And I have, I have to say no fucking way. I'm sorry. <laughs> I haven't played with or against the card. What I can tell you, it's not it's not incredible. You, you, you're never going to sell me on that. People are like, it's the nuts. I think Gabriel Nassif released a video on youtube called children is the nuts and i'm just like no no it's a four five it's just a four five like, i know that five is like a big number in this format but the format will just adapt right like it's yeah just, this is gonna die all the time and it's gonna have netted you two damage to your opponent and that's not in in modern standard trading one for one your opponent takes two is fine But it's not good enough. When they you spend four mana, they probably spend two. So the two mana you're losing is not generally not gonna be worth the two damage. And it's not like this card just runs away with the game if you if it survives. It's just big and like you'll gain a couple of life, and they'll lose like two, two to four life. I don't know. I'm willing to be proven wrong on this, but there are so many powerful things to be doing at four mana in mid-range decks i don't buy that this is the best one i don't think this will be played at all in a month or two in standard in standard
0: for for sure um, i know it
1: won't be played anywhere else
0: <laughs> it, it does make me sad because when this first got spoiled i felt like a lot of people were like shitting on it um mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's what's happened. Like
1: people were so low on it, and then they play it. And it's like, oh, it actually doesn't suck. But then it's like, yeah, but like the bar is really high for a four mana creature.
0: Yeah, it is, and I I just want to say that if you're playing this card, I want it to be the dumbest fucking deck ever, and you better be playing Love Song of Night and Day just to uh, get some How extra value. On draw too? Yeah. <laughs> Boom! Boom! You lose four. I gain four. Bitchin'.
1: I've literally seen people talk about the combo with Felstinger. So the idea being you play Shieldred. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And then you play Felstinger, sack something else, target your opponent. They draw two and lose two. That's six damage, baby.
0: Oh. What?
1: <laughs> it's called like they're calling it like the, the nuke with Felstinger or like the combo I guess, nuke Well, they with lose. They
0: get. They lose four from the drawing, and then... So,
1: F- felstinger is like, target player, draws two, and loses two.
0: Loses right? two, and then they... they So, they lose six altogether? Um, yeah. And I'm like,
1: that's... That's not a... Like, do you understand how many... How many crappy pieces are involved in this six damage combo?
0: Yeah, and it's also, like...
1: And the shield has to be a first, and then you have to have something else to sack to your felstinger.
0: It's... It's that good if they're at... Sucks. If they're at six... <laughs> if
1: they're at eight, it's, like, pretty good, because on their upkeep, or on their they draw die, step, they're yeah. going to die, but...
0: <laughs> it's, it, yeah,
1: it's a I, lot of damage out of a black mid-range deck, I guess.
0: Yeah, if you... That just sounds like a burn player made a black mid-range deck. Yeah, and I understand that most of the time you're going to target yourself,
1: and you're only going to target them when it kills them. But yeah, like, but... It's getting too much hype for what it is.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. Um I agree. That's... <clears throat> blah i i have i still feel like very mediocre about Shieldred. so it, it's if people are going up and down I'm, i just feel very much in the middle so
1: yeah i thought the card was pretty good not good enough to really crack top totally play. like like most of the praetors all of them
0: uh no all uh, of them no you're right some no. of them
1: were just bad yeah like Gitaxias.
0: yeah and yeah anyway um so, uh, yeah, I, it seems a bit of a letdown for the apocalypse, but, um, eh, you know, they can't be all crazy. At least, you know, it, it's possibly being I was just hoping that. it was a reanimator card, because the last
1: one was a reanimator card, and I love reanimator
0: cards. That's probably why they didn't do it, because they're like, oh, you can't have two. <laughs> all the other ones were a little bit different, so they didn't want to do that again. But anyway, yeah. it's, it's a card that exists. Um, so I have an overrated card. And, okay. um, I don't remember who was talking about it, um, but last week, uh, it kept coming up and, and somebody was mentioning it. I don't, I don't know what, uh, I don't know who that was, but, um, anyway, the overrated <laughs> card is the phasing of Zalfir. That card fucking sucks. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, for, uh, anyone
1: who doesn't know what Zach's talking about, you should listen to last week's episode, um, this is why no pass lists are, uh, are changeable. So when we were talking about that card last week, mm-hmm. I didn't even realize that it replaces the cards with zombies. <laughs> really? I was just I thought it was just wrapping it, and I was like, "This is okay." Mm-hmm. <laughs> the fact that it replaces them with zombies is not just bad.
0: It, it's it makes horrible. This card
1: awful. I don't even take this card in limited. Because like I played it in my limited deck and it was so bad, yeah. That it, it was <laughs> like this is supposed to be my wrath, like my my ace in the hole in my in, in my wild card deck and uh, no, or my limited deck.
0: Yeah, I I've had it a couple times. I think I have three copies now. Um yeah. And it is, I hate it. And I think it's it, awful. I don't know if it's the I'm too dumb to play it, which is what we talked about last week, but. This card sucks. I it's immediately <laughs> off my my it's it's my. I wish I could refund those those slots I took. I hate it. I hate yep. it.
1: Yep, <laughs> yep, yep.
0: That's a bad card.
1: I played like one game with it, and then was like, did Zach put this like really put this on his no pass list? This card is awful. <laughs> I had talked. I
0: was seeing things online. It seemed really interesting. I was excited to play with it, and then it it always came down to wow, their entire board is a bunch of one ones, ones and I'm going to wrath it and give them 2-2s instead. That is the worst. That's um, <laughs> right. It's this. like I'm upgrading their, their board. And, okay, and here's the
1: other thing I didn't realize. After the wrath occurs, your creatures are still phased
0: out. For that is what's turns. really <laughs> fucked up, is that they <laughs> are still phased out, and they don't phase back in until your next turn. So then I'm like, oh, it wraths, and then my creatures come back. No, no, no no they don't come back until next turn so you can't even do anything yeah. with them It sucks. it's brutal you
1: don't even get like one fr- good attack in no right
0: <laughs> no because then they get to rebuild before you and you're screwed it's horrible i um <laughs> it's 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 ho- and i'm it's, glad
1: the blue wrath is bad right like blue shouldn't have a good exactly
0: wrath. so I like it's the worst wrath it's ever. so and annoying. wrath
1: is in heavy quotation marks
0: it's not even so. a wrath it's the worst <laughs>
1: It's yeah. like upgrades your opponent's board.
0: Yeah, in limited at least. I don't know if there's like some corner case where it's good in other places, but geez. Uh,. I was literally playing it alongside like the Elder Dragon War or whatever that deals two to everything, so I can turn all their stuff into two twos and then kill the two twos.
1: There you <laughs> yeah.
0: go. Yeah, so it,
1: <laughs> genius.
0: Just it's hopefully like, I don't die like four from all turns the twos later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can start them both. You know, you can start that at, at it's true. the wrath. It's true. Could just be like a two turn right? Exactly, but two two turns, eight mana for a wrath. Like, come on. <laughs> it's terrible yeah. two cards it's 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 yeah, awful that's, that
1: that's pretty bad
0: i'm sorry for all of those out there who might have uh picked the, that card up uh i'm gonna take that yeah. i'm gonna take that one i'm sorry that's bad like that was
1: honestly that was the second worst card on your no pass list it
0: was,
1: like, it's that bad
0: i don't mm, no, I that was definitely the worst card <laughs> on my path no pass list but, yeah uh jeff do you have any underrated cards before we go on to last call Yeah, like always, I'm just, I'm not totally sure
1: on this one. Because nothing jumped out to me as like, people are sleeping on this, it's really good. Because there are a few cards that I think are pretty good, but then uh, other people also kind of think they're pretty good. Mm -hmm. I think the card I'm going to go with has underrated, and mostly, this is based on not totally being sure... How other people are rating this card,
0: mm-hmm. but I know
1: that I underrated it coming into the format. Okay, I like that. And having played against it, I was like, oh, this card might actually get there. Yeah. And that's the Cruelty of gigs.
0: Okay. So this
1: is three black black for a read ahead saga. The first one is like a, a thought, or a what's the card? It's like reverse duress. Mm-hmm. Target opponent reveals their hand. You choose a creature, a planeswalker, they discard. Second one is you search your library for a card, put that into your hand and shuffle and you lose three life. And the third one is put target creature from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. The thing I think I was missing is like, all three of these abilities are really situational and you wouldn't play that card in your standard deck. And you wouldn't play this saga if you had to start from one every time. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't make, that wouldn't make the cut either because often two of the three chapters are going to be bad. Mm -hmm. The fact that you can start it anywhere really makes the difference. So if you can start it at one and get value out of all three, it's obviously amazing. Getting two out of three is really good, but then these are all like situationally good effects. And so I think the whole package actually ends up being pretty good that you can like, ah, they don't play creatures. I'm not going to start it on one, you know, I'm going to just like go get whatever I want. Or, you know what? Like, oh, I have a good reanimator target right now. And by the way, the last one is any graveyard. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, you kill something good and then you just play this. You can immediately reanimate that.
0: Yeah. Or you, it, you make them ju- discard the card, the Titan of Industry, that you're going to reanimate or whatever. Right. Um, I think on
1: the balance, it just kind of gets there. It's just a good card that generates enough value and is flexible enough with the read ahead mm-hmm. that it's almost always true that you're going to be able to play this card and be happy. Whereas each ability individually is very, is one of those abilities. that's like strong under the right circumstances, but those circumstances don't always come up. So you don't play that type of card.
0: Right. Yeah. No, I, I also like this card and this is another card that reminded me of you obviously cause it reanimates, <laughs> but, um, just all the different pieces of it and, um, I didn't play against this one, but the other Black Saga, the Braids one, is also really good that kind of reanimates too. Um, and so these read-ahead sagas have been really interesting besides the facing of South here Like, fuck that card. But um, yeah. all the yeah, other maybe ones... Maybe my
1: underrated should just broadly go to read-ahead as a mechanic because I, I didn't fully appreciate it, yeah. I
0: think. Yeah, I, I've been getting pretty owned by some of those read-ahead mechanics. So, uh, Or the cards, uh, more so. Um, <clears throat> all right, so... I have an underrated card that I would like to talk about. Um, I'm sorry, we're out of time. I am sorry, we're out of time. (laughs) Uh, So this card, uh, I feel like, People are just sleeping on this, and uh, no one's talking about it. I feel like I'm the only one. And this is Ivy, Gleeful Spell Thief. This is the most underrated card in Dominary United. I've been getting so much shit from everyone this last week. I didn't realize that just talking about it on a a podcast, I was going to be getting tweets, and people just shitting on me all over the place. So I'm doubling down <laughs> this card. <laughs> the bold move. It's awesome. <laughs> I can't wait to, to make a standard deck with that and uh, combat research and just get all this stuff. It's going to be awesome. Just you wait. I love it.
1: <laughs> so you decided for your overrated underrated segment to just choose your two worst picks from uh, last <laughs> week.
0: <laughs> no, because Ivy's going up and, and Phasing of Zephyr is going way down.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, that one. That one is truly. Uh, that
0: one was horrible, and now I have yeah. way too many of them because I picked them like an idiot. <laughs> oh God! Anyway, uh, Jeff, let's go to last call.
1: Sure. Um, so some closing thoughts on standard. I do have two that I wanted to bring up. All right, you go Um, ahead. One is that uh, black, when we say black is the best color, um, that's partially supported by the most recent tournament, Croquis Dominaria United Tournament, which is uh, generally like, you can think of it as a fairly competitive event. It's like a $1,000 prize pool. Um, But in the top 25, I think there were three non-black decks. It's a lot of Grixis, Jund, and Rakdos. So, for the upcoming standard event, uh, if you just care about winning, like, my advice would be to play whatever deck seems the most fun to you, because mm-hmm. that's what magic is about. But if if we were only talking win percentages here, I think you'd want to be playing a red-black based deck, whether that's Jund, Grixis, or just straight Rakdos. Um, that's what you're going to want to do. And you probably include like i didn't go through all the deck lists and see how many lilianas were in the top 25 decks but uh i have uh, a feeling it's a lot closer to 100 than you might expect (laughs) (laughs) those three non-black decks are really ruining it (laughs) maybe maybe it's like 88 or whatever but
0: uh (laughs) but the rest of them anyone who could play all four are is playing all four (laughs) Yeah, yeah it's probably
1: pretty close to that it's like the bone crusher giant tournament was like oh gosh uh, there were like 32 bone crusher giants in the top eight or something um but yeah so that's just where we're at and and the format won't shake out that way because the best black deck the best black mid-range deck will sort of emerge to the top and that'll leave room for other stuff right now that's like four competing black mid-range decks kind of thing yeah mono black red black grixis and gen um i'm thinking jen's probably gonna win but i would play red black myself Mm -hmm. the other thing i wanted to mention is i've played a quick standard event and i want to give out a warning about the pain lands i lost games because the auto tapper won't tap your pain lands so when it's there's something you're playing and it is like black and too colorless Mm -hmm. it will not tap your pain lands it'll tap like Swamp, Swamp Mountain.
0: Jeez. And
1: then you'll be left to cast your next spell. You have two Sulphurous Springs, or you have two Pain Lands. You now have to take damage to cast that spell because it left all your Pain Lands with the random spell. So, one of the downsides of Pain Lands, you do have to tap them manually because, for whatever reason, the way it's coded, it doesn't, because it's a dual land, it wants to save it. And so it won't use it to tap for the colorless mana in the spells you play, and I've literally lost games because I was like, "Well, I took," I mean, I let it happen to myself more than once, and so that's a little bit on me because I was like, "Fuck the pain land thing again," but <laughs> so I took like two, three extra damage, which loses you the game. Yeah. Um, but just wanted to like throw that warning out there that you gotta be careful with the and they might fix it, but you gotta be careful with the auto tapper in pain lands.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. I I, I do like that because uh, it, it's important. Hey, I, I yeah, um, in my pre-release I went two zero and one, and the draw was game two. They lost because they used their pain land uh, on the turn before, and I had exactsies if they used their pain land from the combat trick <laughs> in my hand. They didn't know about, so yeah, it's uh, they it does matter. Like we said before. You can't just lean on them so heavily. So right,
1: the damage matters, and uh, generally, like when you're, you get to this point where your mana's just good. You have like, three, you know, I have two mounds, I have two swamps, and mm-hmm. three dual lands, one of which is a pain land. Arena will like somehow get you into this position where you're paying for a pain land in that situation, which you should never mm-hmm. like when your mana's that good you're solid you should never be the pain lines essentially just become wastes yeah right but arena's algorithm doesn't have that built in obviously um so it's like a thing that all players would do naturally it's like okay once i'm good on colors the pain lines will always be covering the colorless colorless portion Mm -hmm. but arena doesn't have that so um yeah don't be like me don't mm-hmm. lose games because you suddenly just have three pain lands untapped and you planned on casting two more spells
0: <laughs> thanks for those words of wisdom i know i'm gonna i'm gonna forget that actually and uh, probably oh, yeah. kill myself me, me a few too. times I'm still gonna lose to this especially season. against mono red <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um where it matters the most but let's go into last call and rate some of these beers that uh we tried uh, we both tried technically um anyway So, uh, as always, we rate our beers on a scale of Bronze to Mythic, just like the tiers in Arena. And this has nothing to do with whatever tier you are in currently, so don't feel bad if we trash your tier. But with that, Bronze beers are, in fact, trash. They're horrible. You cannot finish drinking them, and you have to pour them out.
1: Yeah, silver beers are basically uninteresting is the best word to describe them Mm -hmm. um macro brews tend to fall into this category
0: uh gold beers are fine but you won't really drink them that often
1: yeah platinum is one step up they're solid you would drink this
0: again diamond is exceptional you would recommend these to your friends and bring these to parties and
1: then mythic is the absolute best of the best these are like whatever the opposite of the phasing of Zalfir is (laughs) like this
0: Oh, God, I feel so stupid. They're they
1: like one over phasing themselves here. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right, Jeff, do you have your pick in your hand for tonight? Yes. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Head rhyme down. and Reason. Oh, oh. Interesting. Two orange cans. Yeah. Wow. That, I mean, both my options were orange. but I know, but, but you know, for me, it's different. <laughs> um, yeah, let's just start with Rhyme and Reason because we both tried it tonight yep um so uh yeah i just this one i i haven't gone like like you said haven't gone back to in a long time maybe just because it's a pale ale and i'm not always getting those as instead of ipas but this is so smooth it feels so tasty nice i think anyone who uh is kind of on the fence with like bitter -er beers and um stuff like this this is a really good like this is one of their flagship beers this is like the a really nice classic it has citra just like jeff you've always said that's like the cheater hops quote unquote um yeah but it's just <laughs> delicious and that's what it tastes like it's very smooth and delicious and and i i i liked it a lot
1: they even call it a citra pale ale mm-hmm. they're like explicitly calling out that they're using citra
0: but i mean it has <laughs> other hops in it too but citra is the most dominant right so um, it's,
1: it's it's gotten to the point where it's like a marketing thing like yeah citra's so good that i would print citra on my can yeah <laughs> Uh, so people will buy it. Um, yeah, rhyme and reason is good. It's what I remember it to be, um, and I think you kind of nailed it. Like, it's a really good intro product for a craft brewery, mm-hmm. where it's like the, the. I think it is still, it is still sort of crafty enough that there are there will be people who don't like it, but I don't think anybody who's is going to be so offended by it. Yeah, and so it gives you that opportunity to people who aren't really into the craft beer scene and want a beer that tastes like beer to them um this will be close enough that they might like it and actually get that little nudge Mm -hmm. into craft beer which is exactly what you're trying to do with the flagship product from your craft beer company right you're like you don't need to convince the crazy craft beer heads um that you know to come and try your ipa or your stout but what you need to do is like they might have friends who aren't into it, and you need to give them an option that might then push them into
0: getting uh, into it,
1: right? Right. And wanting to come back and trying that stuff. Yeah. I think this is, and like you, like you said, it's smooth and tastes good. Um, this is a perfect example of of a way to do that.
0: Yeah, Jeff. I don't know. I don't know where to put this. I, I. Don't get it that often, but I do think I would recommend this, and I do really like it. And the more I'm going back and drinking some of the collective art stuff, I'm being more uh, intense about my rankings. so right. <sighs> but I, I was happy with this one. I was really happy. Um, I might just give it diamond. I really like this one. I should drink this more than I do.
1: Yeah, it's so weird, right? Because I'm looking at our rating sheet and I'm like, "I want to give it platinum. That's like what mm-hmm. my inner rating system is telling me and when i read it i'm like well i it's this weird thing where i will recommend this to other people but i probably won't really drink it again so platinum is like we'll drink again and then diamond is would recommend yeah it's like well i'm gonna recommend but i probably wouldn't (laughs) won't get it myself that often because i'm basically what i just explained i'm gonna recommend this to a lot of people as like a good gateway beer or a good pale ale totally
0: if you're,
1: if you're into but i have there are other beers from collective arts that are sort of more my go to and so i'm i'm actually unlikely to order this yeah.
0: again. Well, which is interesting cuz like i think that through this i've realized that i like this one more than i remembered and the other ones right. i thought i liked better i don't. so then this is becoming more of my thing but yeah if if you know i i think you're you're probably right i was coming in thinking this was going to be platinum and i just liked it more than i thought. i'm just going to give it platinum. do it. Go for it, yeah. um, and then that's going to bring us to our wild card uh, beers. Ooh, I like that name. Yeah, wild wow card. Uh, Jeff, <laughs> like related to arena. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just so lucky. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's just it's so lucky. Uh, Jeff, let's talk about yours first, and then then we'll go on to mine. Cool.
1: So, um, I got hit with like a big wave of nostalgia from this one because, like I said, I used to drink headstock. It's one of those, like, first IPAs in the craft scene, local craft scene that I got into. And then I just kind of stopped having it. Like, I haven't really had headstock mm-hmm. in years, I don't think. Um, and so that really made me appreciate it. And I think it's good. It's a West Coast style IPA, which is generally my preference. There are East Coast styles that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, if I had to choose, I would go West Coast style. And this is a good example of it. Um, but mostly, I think, I just, like, remember, as soon as I took a sip, I'm like, oh, yeah, I used to drink this a lot. <laughs> um, and so, loved it. Brought it back. Um, I didn't drink it for a long time because of their crappy can redesign. <laughs> um, but now that they have an acceptable can redesign, I'm back.
0: Nice. I'm back, baby. So, what are you thinking?
1: Uh, for me, this is Diamond.
0: Do it. Um, nice. In- That's good. Do you know... I've been really frustrated with these wild cards because it seems like yours is always way better than mine because um, <laughs> I came in knowing that I don't like Naughty Neighbor very much. Um, uh, before, I was like not always a big fan of like the the can before. Now I kind of like it a little right. bit. I was thrown off that they changed it. It seems kind of weird to me at the time, but talking to you now about how it's changed a few times feels a little bit better. But overall, and it's like
1: getting a little better every time. It's still not
0: where I'd want it to be.
1: Yeah, I don't feel super
0: great with it. It's like an eagle that's like kind of like a, a, I don't know, dare daredevil, but um.
1: But like we've moved from making fun of like half the world mm-hmm. to making fun of just one country. Exactly. So yeah, we're, we're getting that's better. That's true.
0: That's true. Yeah. Um, but with that being said, uh, it's it's probably gold. I'm not a. I don't love it. It's fine, uh and i I feel exactly the same way I think that I felt before, where I was like, yeah, this is a beer that uh, is there, and um it, it's it's a pale ale, and
1: yeah, I've tried naughty Neighbor mm-hmm. plenty of times, and I think I would give it cold. yeah,
0: that's mm-hmm. this kind of uh yep, I f- oops, I feel exactly the the same way uh, as I have before, so that's uh that's how it is, all right perfect hopefully next episode we'll have all the same beers but hey it's kind of fun to have different ones especially when we've kind of tried them before so it doesn't feel so crazy last week i felt very jealous but uh this week it's like (laughs) all right it's fine um let's go to closing time so you can always reach us at the arena regulars on twitter and instagram
1: yes and also if you want to reach out to us personally You can do that on the Arena Regulars
0: Discord channel, and the best way to find that is actually on our Twitter. There's a pinned message that gives you an invite to the Discord. So go to our Twitter. Um, If you want to talk to me personally, and that didn't work, you can find me at Zulberg, which is Z E U L B E R G on Twitter and Instagram. But Jeff, where can they find you?
1: Um, on the Discord.
0: Perfect. Sounds good. Uh, you can always leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, follow us on um, YouTube or any place that you can, uh, but the reviews help a lot. So if you like the show, please give us a positive review and five stars because it uh, makes our podcast go up at the rankings and that really helps us a lot and we like it. This has been the Arena Regulars.
1: Reminding you that I don't care who puts it on their no-pass list, you should not take the phasing of Zalphir.
0: Good night. All right, that's fine.